I, I've got great news. Before I ever, ever, ever knew that there was a God, He provided my salvation. Before I ever, ever, ever knew there was a God, before you ever, ever, ever knew there was a God, He forgave you. We should just have invitation. <laughs> Hallelujah to the one who saved me. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. Jesus saved my wife. Jesus has saved my sons. He saved my daughter. I got to baptize all three of them. He saved my son's fiance, sweet Lauren, and all her family. He saved my daughter's sweet boyfriend, Kobe, and all his family. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let me tell you something. If we come here on Sunday mornings to do anything else but to praise the one who saved us, we're coming for the wrong reasons. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. I thank God for the testimony of those who were baptized this morning. Or the one who was baptized this morning, Casey. Thank you, Lord. And for his sweet family and the friends that are gathered here today. I'm also thankful that Casey didn't listen to Mickey Cummings and did not do a cannonball in the baptistry this morning. Praise God. I'm thankful for, for that testimony. I'm also thankful, oh, for the testimony of the bishops. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. How about this guy? The first to, be, to receive Christ in his, his Himalayan village. And now he's on fire. He has translated the New Testament into his mother tongue. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, that is what we should be about. Our lives should be arrows. Should I even say a spear, maybe? Pointing people to Jesus. Let my life, Lord, be that. That points people to Jesus. Not, not to anything else. Because everything else is so unworthy in comparison. Amen? Well, since you brought it up, let's look at the spear. Just to remind you what we're about here at First Baptist. We have a point of a spear. Point of the spear. The point of the spear. The point of the spear. Is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Everyone. Everyone of every tribe, of every race, of every tongue, of every skin color, of every political party. (laughs) 
everyone. Everyone. We're to be reaching everyone. Every age. Every language. Everyone. We are to be reaching them with Christ. That's the point of the spear. The head of the spear should be here in Union County at our church right now. Ahead of the spear. Not in exclusion of anyone else. But just special emphasis on those who have or families with children still at home. This is what we understand. This is what we understand about this. That after the age of 18, the likelihood of someone coming to know the Christ in our culture dips drastically. We must keep that as our focus. Not to the exclusion of anyone else. But we must keep that. As our focus. Everyone needs Jesus. But especially in our culture. Emphasis needs to be placed on. Families with children still at home. No matter what that looks like. In, in our county. We have a growing. A growing phenomenon. Of grandparents. Raising their children. We must be loving these. Coming. Uh, loving these families. And coming around them. And, and, and next to them. And supporting them. In that effort. Okay, you know what? By, and, and, and that's the head of the spear, the point of the spear. And there is a shaft that carries that focus here at First Baptist Church. There's a shaft that carries the business end of the spear, if you will. And there's a binding. Some, something has to bind the head of the spear to the shaft of the spear. I want to just talk about that real quick. The binding that holds the head of the spear to the shaft of the spear is the moving from theory to action. The, move, the moving from, from sitting in a pew on Sunday and saying, Amen, preach on preacher, I'm again it. Moving from that to sharing that with your neighbor. Sharing that with a person the Holy Spirit has revealed to you to share it with. That is the binding. And everything else, everything that we're a part of, everything that we do at First Baptist Church ought to be carrying that vision of the gospel to those who don't know it. Or to the gospel to those who have heard it all their lives. And it hasn't made an impact. It hasn't affected them yet. So we've been involved in this process recently of m moving from theory to action. First, we, we spent time praying for Holy Spirit to give us, some, give us an awareness. Who? Who, Holy Spirit? Who in my community, at work, at school, in my neighborhood, at Ingalls, at Walmart, at what, you know, what, whatever place you go to? Who? Who? We've been praying for that awareness. We filled out who-do cards. Who do you know cards? Who is Holy Spirit laying on your heart? And we move from awareness to a prayer emphasis, a prayer initiative, where we begin putting down on these names that Holy Spirit has revealed to us personally that we need to be seeking to reach for Christ. We put those. We had a, a tear, a, a, a double card where you, you put these names down, where you Keep one that you pray for and you turn the other one in. We've laid them on our altar and we've been praying for them. We're taking this seriously as a church. God forgive us that we've not taken it seriously before now. 
And so we've been praying. And then we, we began this, these past two weeks are about equipping. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? And how do I share it? Last week, that's what the sermon was all about. Here's the gospel. You had a note on your note sheet. You had a place where you could fill in the blanks and you have the gospel on a note sheet. And we talked about two different apps that you could download on your device that you could have with you to share the gospel. We're equipping. And this week is all about telling your story. Hey, if you're here today and you're seeking and Jesus hasn't become the Lord of your life. Look, this is for you too. The gospel is for you. Look, I just want to tell you with some degree of emotion, God is for you. He's not against you. It's His desire that all would be saved. So listen for the gospel today. We pray the Holy Spirit would reveal that to you today. That you would be moved to respond. But today is about sharing our our stories. Let's pray. And then I want to read you a story. Oh, I love a story. I'm going to read a story to you and then we'll talk about how, why your story is important. Let's pray. Father, we've worshipped you. We've praised you. We've turned our heart, hearts to- toward you. We've turned our minds toward you. God, I pray that everything that is eternal about us right now, our mind, will, and emotions would be focused on you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Reveal to us, all of us more of who you are. May we never be the same because we were here with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to try to sing a, a few little songs to you right now. And, you try, and, and, and this is audience participation. You tell me what show this is from. Here's a story of a man. Oh, see? I didn't even... I didn't, some of you are just shouting that out quickly, so I'll stop singing. <laughs> All right? It's the Brady Bunch, right? There's a story. Let me tell you a story about a man named Chad. <laughs> Poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. One, then one day he was shooting at some food, and up from the ground came a... Yeah! The Beverly Hillbillies. Good, good, very good. How about, how about this one? This one may be a little trouble for you. Let me tell you a story all about how my life got turned flip upside down. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah, good. You know what's so great about these, other than the great songs, is that there's a story. It's all about a story. You know, people love stories. They love to hear stories. I want to read you one 
read a story to you right now. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 9, and we're going to read a story here. Starting, It's going to take a little bit. We're going to read a lot. We're going to read about 38 verses. That's all. But it's a great story, I promise. Because it's so long, let's get going. Here we go. If you didn't bring your Bible, I've got this. We'll have the words up on the screen, and we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Here we go. As he passed by, that's Jesus. Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples, now before we, before we read this and start thinking, oh, these disciples, holy cow, understand. This is the religious tradition that they'd been raised in, okay? They were taught to believe that the sin was because, your affliction was because of your sin or someone else's sin. So, the disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or that his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. All right. We must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Amen? Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. What? Now think about it. Think if Brother Fred was up here preaching a sermon on Sunday, and he makes a great point and just... Wow. You might believe it if I did it, but Brother Fred? Really? All right, so he does this. So he, I, he's, you think he got the disciples' attention when he did that? So he, he does this, and he makes mud, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Now, some of you check out right here. Some of you are like, ew. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And I mean, <laughs> like he, I don't think he had to tell him twice. I mean, he had spit mud in his eyes. So he's going, right? So he goes, and so, we, so he went and washed, and he came back seeing. It's the coolest thing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, well, it is he. And others said, no, but he sure is like him. You remember the guy that used to sit and beg? He couldn't see. This guy can see. But he kept saying, nope, I'm the man. I'm the man. All right? So they said to him, well, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus, made mud, and anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. And so when I went and washed, I received my sight. They said to him, well, where is he? He said, I don't know. I was blind, remember? And when I washed my face, I opened my eyes, I could see, but he was gone. So they brought him to the Pharisees, uh, the, and the man, the man who had formerly been blind, <clears throat> and it was the Sabbath day. Oh, goodness, here we go. Here we go. It was the Sabbath day. And Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. So, <laughs> oh, bless their hearts. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed. 
and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, well, this man is not from God because he didn't keep the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. How dare you heal someone on the Sabbath and work? You can't be from God. Wow. Anyway, so, but others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So the Pharisees were kind of, well, wait a minute. Hold, I know it's a Sabbath and all, but he did heal somebody. All right, so they said again to the blind man. So they're like, bring that blind guy. He's not blind anymore. Remember, Jesus healed him. Well, bring that guy in here. What did you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind. And he was, well, then it's not, it can't be true then. You can't have been blind. <clears throat> then in verse 19... Until they called the parents of the man who received sight. Okay, well, we'll get to the bottom of this. Bring in his parents. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, we know that that's our son. And we know he was born blind. But now he sees. And we don't know. Uh, but how he see, now sees, we don't know. Nor do, nor do we know who opened his eyes. You know what? Why don't you ask him? He's of age. He's a grown man. Ask him. He can tell his story. He will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. Because the Jews were such a you know, welcoming, these Pharisees, such a welcoming bunch. They're like, they had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, well, they would be put out of the synagogue. Now, that meant something significant to them that was the center of their lives and they would be shunned essentially therefore his parents said ask him don't ask us ask him he's a grown man so for the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him give glory to God which basically means put your hand on the Bible and swear okay give glory to God did I read all that? We know that this man is a sinner. Alright? He answered, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. And they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he's like, Really? I've already told you and you won't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Mm. <clears throat> That's like my daddy used to say. He was so mad. He was madder he was madder than a wildcat that had been had had his rear end rubbed with sandpaper. It's my daddy. Felix. Got to meet him. He's awesome. And they reviled him saying, You are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. 
And we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for, for, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. But listen to this guy. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. Now this is a guy. He's been born blind and begged all his life. Listen to it. He says, that's an amazing thing. Listen, you don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. In other words, you guys are supposed to know about this stuff, and this guy made me see, and you don't know him? He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, then God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. But look, I can see. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And the Pharisees loved that. They were like, oh, okay, I guess you're right. No. They said, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. That's my Pharisee face. A Pharisee face. And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Jesus, this is so Jesus. He walks up to him and he goes, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Because he's never seen Jesus, right? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, oh Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a story. Oh, and I, one day I'm going to get excited about telling that story. Man, here's the thing. There's a ton. Oh my goodness. We could spend um, two months going through all the stuff that's in this story. Right? But this is what we're going to focus on today. Because we're out of time. This is what we're going to focus on today. He had a story. But not only did he have a story about encountering Jesus. But he told it. He told his story. So I got some thoughts Got five quick thoughts. Ready? Put on your track shoes. Here we go. Got five quick thoughts. Thought number one. In your notes there. People love stories. We engage in storytelling all the time. And story hearing all the time. Oh my goodness. It's in, it's in what we read. It's in the music we listen to. It's in the movies we go to. It's in our social media. Everybody loves a good story. And my favorite thing, maybe you can, can tell, is telling a story. I love to tell stories. And the better the story, the more I want to tell it. And there's not a better story in the world than your Jesus story. Thought number two. Do you know that God is writing His story in your life? There is no better story. He's writing His story in your life. It, look, God's story didn't end when the last word was recorded in the Bible. 
It didn't end. He continues to write his story with our lives. Doesn't that excite you? That the God of all creation continues to write his story with our lives. That's a big deal. And he continues to do that. It doesn't have to, and look, yours, all the events that led us to him, that's his story, his writing. All, the moment that you call him Savior, and if you've not done that yet, all these moments that have brought you for some reason here today, and Holy Spirit is drawing you to him, this part of your story, yes, but it's part of the bigger story that God's writing as well. We, our lives are snapshots of a, of, the, of a greater story that God's writing. Where our lives are like thread and that, are, that God is weaving into a greater, beautiful tapestry. Our, our, our lives are part of the story that God is writing. It's all about Jesus, the center of that story. Our lives are all about how He's using us to grow His kingdom. And Jesus right at the center of it. It's all about how Jesus loves us. It's all about how Jesus sustains us. It's all about how Jesus protects us. It's all about Jesus. And all about how He gets us through the hard times that we face. God's writing His story in your life. People love stories. And He's writing His story with your life. Number three. Thought number three. You have a story to tell. It's your God's story. And it's your story. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's story. It's your story. Sometimes they're dramatic Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's ordinary. But, but it, it doesn't matter. It's still your story. And your story is vibrant. And your story is valuable. And it's part of a bigger story that God's writing until the end of time. We get to be a part of that. And you're vital. Your story's vital. And your story's vibrant. The thought number four, someone needs to hear your story. Someone needs to hear your story. The stories and the experiences that God has written into your life and been written for someone else to read. Someone is currently going through the struggles. Someone's currently going through the despair, the grief, the decision making, the joys and the hopefulness that you've, you've already been through or you're going through now. And God can use that story to grow His kingdom. He can take ashes and make beauty a garment of praise for our heaviness. Someone needs to hear your story. And your story may be the crucial, crucial bridge for them coming to and growing in Christ. And number five, you need to be ready 
to share your story. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. Just write down this reference. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When the door opens for you to tell your stories, you've got to be ready to speak up. You've got to think through your life. How has God been working in your life? Write it down. Practice telling your story. If you don't prepare in advance, the time may come for your story to make a real difference in the life of a friend, a co-worker, or a family member, and you will miss the opportunity because you're not prepared to speak. So don't miss the chance to tell your story. Here, I'm going I'm to read a little bit of my story to you. I was raised in a Christian home. My dad became a Christ follower when I was very young. As I was growing up, dad took very seriously the role of having his family in church. So as long as I can remember, I've been going to church. And as a result, my faith in Jesus was something that was passed to me by my dad. It was more of a family tradition supported by a culture of churchgoers by which I was surrounded. I was at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I checked all the boxes. And I followed all the rules. I even went to vacation Bible school, VBS, or explore camp. It was there I decided to do what other kids were doing and I went forward at the assembly time to sign a car to become a Christian. Life was good. Dad worked hard and expected much from his three boys. He is where I learned my work ethic. Mom nurtured us tirelessly. And she is where I learned to love people. I had everything I needed and even some of what I wanted. Mine seemed to be an ordinary happy life, but it all crashed. One New Year's Eve, when my mom died unexpectedly. Her funeral was on my birthday. I was 13 years old and absolutely lost. My inherited cultural Christianity provided no answers for the immeasurable vacuum and seemingly unanswerable questions left by my mother's death. I struggled for over a year. I had no idea who I was, or was supposed to be, or would become. It wasn't until I heard the testimony of an ex-convict that I began to understand. He, he told me his story. He said Jesus had completely changed him from who he once had been. He said we didn't have to be defined by what had been done or what had happened to us. Our identity could be who we were in Christ. I gave my life to Christ. Valentine's Day, 
I still didn't have all the answers to my questions, but that day, Valentine's Day, my faith became my faith. And Jesus more than filled the giant hole in my soul. I've been on a lifelong journey of discovering all that means ever since. Now, when I find myself in difficult and uncertain or even scary circumstances, I find strength remembering the faithfulness of my loving God on that Valentine's Day and countless days ever since. That's my story. A little bit of it. There's so much more to my story. He's still writing it. He's written so much more, and he's still writing it. Write your story down. I want you to know, I want you to meet somebody. You may already know him. If you don't know him, I'll, you need to get to know this guy's name's Chuck Cooper. That's a good name. Chuck Cooper. He's right back here. Chuck, wave, wave your hand right back there. Ain't that a handsome man? Chuck Cooper has a ministry called It's a God Thing. All right? It's a God thing. And it's all about telling your story. It's a God thing. It's becoming a podcast. And it's first, you can hear it first, Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. It's going, going live. Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. It's a God thing. It's all about people's Jesus story. Did I say it's Chuck Cooper and it's a podcast going live 6 a.m. Wednesday morning. This is a great, go see Chuck. Tell him your story. Now understand, he might stick a microphone at you, but tell him your story. And this is a great, a great way to share our stories. And if you want to be a part of a live version of that, Tonight, 6 p.m., our service is going to be sharing your stories. Come here and share tonight, 6 p.m. That's our application. Write your story down. Somebody needs to hear it. It is vibrant and it is valuable. And God can use it for the most wonderful thing. His glory. Amen? We're going to stand now. And we're going to sing. Ed's going to lead us in invitation. Maybe God has laid on your heart today someone that you need to go share your story with. Maybe you could go to that person during the invitation. And you say, hey, can we get a cup of coffee this week? I'll even buy. <laughs> can we go to lunch? Can we go play golf or whatever? Go fishing? I want to I tell you something. Or maybe that person is out in this community. You come and pray for that. Maybe you're, sti got, you're still praying about who you want to share your story with. Who you want to share the gospel with. You come and pray and ask God for direction there. Maybe today in this process you were here seeking. And you want to respond. You know what? I've never 
ask Jesus to be the boss of my life. I'd like to do that today. I'm going to ask you to come. You, that is, you, you just admit that God is who he, said, he, who he says he is and Jesus is who he says he is. You admit that, you've done, that you, you've done bad things that are called sin and that separates you from God. And you believe that Jesus is the answer to that dilemma. And then you trust God with your life. That's what becoming a follower of Christ is about. You don't have to have all the questions answered. I don't have them all answered. That's the beauty of joining the fellowship of believers. Is that we are all on that journey together. Discovering who God is. And His will for our lives. You come and you do that. If you'd like to join a church. That is seeking to love its community with the gospel. I invite you to come.